When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The COVID for working kennels, uh, it was a funny time. I mean, I think from what I gather, every country was different. Um, and France basically was just copying its neighbors. And uh, they basically went into lockdown, uh, i.e. nobody can leave the house during the day, blah, blah, blah. So in France, especially in the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, uh, somebody released figures the other day of 7,000 so-called breeders. There are only 1,000 official, 1,000 with a sort of kennel name and, and officially declared. So if you like, 6,000 breeders weren't allowed to leave the house. So that kind of made it strange. And then the 1,000 professional breeders that existed in just Staffordshire Bull Terriers you were allowed to 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 basically come and go as you pleased. So it didn't really affect me that much, as in if I had pups to go, I could deliver anywhere in France. And in fact, it was it was almost like the Will Smith film, you know, uh, I Am Legend. I mean, it was just dead. There was nobody about, nobody on the roads. Uh, if ever you went through a toll booth, you'd have police on the toll booth that would control you. But you just, you know, give them your professional card up and you're free to go. So you could drive into the big cities. You could park up where you wanted. It was, uh, it was, it was very, very strange. But then uh, on the flip side, uh, there was a law that said you were allowed to leave your house during the day if you were walking your dog. So there suddenly became an upsurge in people wanting dogs yeah. so you had a lot of people ringing up because they just want to buy a dog any old dog you know and they were willing to pay for it so you know you had to a lot of people tried to get rich quick you know you know, producing litters to demand but you know it's the serious guys said no you know if you want to get a dog that badly go to the dog pound or something you know yeah. don't be trying to buy a professional dog with somebody's hard-earned work in it just so you can get around the uh, the lockdown clause so from what I saw, it was it was a strange time. It was a very strange time. So for, for two years, um, there were puppy millers banging out pups to demand any old shit. And, um, and then the professional guys were working away and they were the ones that had a little bit of sort of morals and principles were uh, selection and filtering the, the phone calls that were coming through. And uh, yeah, it, it was a strange time. But for, on a bigger scale, if you like, um, it, it made me think of, remember that old photo where you've got three types of Staffordshire Bull Terrier? You've got the, the Cradley Heath type, the, the Darleston, and the Walsall, I think. You've got three types. It's a very old black and white photo. I'll send you it. And that, that showed after the war 
the types of Stafford that were bred. And it was basically because travel was restricted. So people couldn't go over, you know, take the car and pop down the road and get a mating from some, you know, someone a bit further away. So breeders tended to breed in their own pockets. You know, there were just sort of small sort of localized breedings and, and it really had an effect on the type at the time. And it made me think of that because I had two or three calls from, from you know, quite big established breeders in Italy wanting to use my stuff and they couldn't because Italy was a hotbed at the time of, uh, of this COVID stuff. And so they couldn't leave the country. They had to use local dogs instead of carrying on with their breeding programs as you know as was set out they they had to sort of turn back in on themselves and use their own stuff so uh, the two years where it was difficult i i think we might see uh, we might see uh, how it's affected breedings because the breedings that were supposed to take place never happened so people started using their local dogs so interesting interesting like i say for me, uh, movement-wise, didn't restrict me at all. Um, again, it makes you see how you know there's a global pandemic. Didn't change my life a bit. I live in the country, dogs, chickens, do what I want, and so in fact, it didn't affect me at all. I went out when I wanted. Didn't socialise either, so my life didn't really change that much. But uh, looking at the bigger picture, I think some of the the breeding programmes. Uh, had to be sort of, uh, you know, quickly changed around. So, again, a two-year period, I don't think you'll see that much of a dramatic effect. But it was, um, I know there was suddenly this supply and demand uh, sort of um, thing going on where everybody needed a dog. That way you could go out and you could walk in the park every day and all the rest of it. And then they also saw that, you know, if you're living in an apartment and you've got two, three kids, most of the day you're at work and they're at school. But when you're suddenly all confined in the little apartment altogether, they realised that it was too small. So there was a sudden sort of explosion of everybody, everybody buying second homes, all these little cottages in the country. So they were getting snapped up, people, Parisians and stuff, buying, you know, quickly buying somewhere. So if there is another lockdown, they've got somewhere to get away to. We were living in interesting times. Um, but again, dog-wise, don't, I don't, I don't think it will, would affect too much. I don't think. But um, what I will say is, two years after when it finished, obviously with this mass hysteria and the buying of pups, um, we're just before the elections in France, and things are very, very quiet. Very quiet. I mean, if I'm selling any dogs, it's, it's abroad. It's not in France. I mean, you know, there's. It seems, you know, everybody's holding their breath to see what happens uh, in the elections. So, so we shall see. We shall see. If you're being a bit philosophical about it, you, you know, we're back to the same old thing. It's uh, a reflection on society. Yeah. You know? um, I, oh, there's a lockdown, but there's a sort of loophole that if you've got a dog, you can go and walk it in the park. Let's get a dog. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you can't get a sort of you know, more backward idea of, you know, why you should buy a dog than that. You know, there's a loophole. And then when COVID finishes, suddenly there's a lot of abandons have gone up, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a throwaway society. They wanted and then they didn't. So. 
Do you have any uh, crazy stories about when you were transporting pups and dogs and stuff? What uh, did the cup? Did you get harassed at all by the police? Uh, no, I've, I because I've got um, like a, a a van and it's written sort of you know kennels on the van you know uh, Elvage in French. And so when you go through the toll booths, they see that you're a breeder and automatically they know that, oh, well, you're allowed to circulate. You know, they say, you know, where are you off to? You know, and you'd say, have you got yourself a business card or whatever? Or, so you just show them and they say, yeah, on your way. Like I say, that was, uh, the COVID was uh, a strange time. It was a strange time, but um, I don't know if it'll have any long-term effects. With the people that are working seriously, I don't think it'll have... Uh, long-term things but we'll see and i'm talking in france yeah. the Staffordshire Bull terrier in france unfortunately became the second most popular dog in france oh wow i, I don't know how many it, it was just ridiculous and i always put it into context that in 1994 i turned up in france with my stafford and we were four breeders and there were 74 staffords in the whole of france this was 1994 we fast forward 25 years, it's the second most popular breed, and I think there's 500,000, and that's just declared, you know, staff is non-paper, without paperwork here, there's, you know, probably the same again. So it's exploded off the radar. But the only trouble is, uh, the only trouble is, one of the big problems is, it's just breeding for the sake of breeding. So the quality is just, just been lost. Um, most people, there's only probably about 10% of people do the dog shows and the dog circuit. Um, the quality you see is just utter shit. Um, the, uh, the French Kennel Club kind of lost their hands. The, the local club or the, the club that's supposed to control it, they lost control years ago. Uh, so they tried to you know, make the, the standard stricter. They're trying to drop down height even more. Um, they're not paying any attention to the weight clause. I mean, we talked about this in one of my other uh, podcasts. But, I mean, you know, if you, if you want something to be uh, balanced, obviously the height and weight you should, you know, should be paid attention to. But they don't, they don't care. They want to drop the dogs down as small as possible. I mean, we get into Jack Russell's size staffers, and uh, they don't care about the weight. So, I mean, you can have a Jack Russell size dog weighing 25 kilos you know so and the judges like this uh and and i told you before we have this this system of a confirmation where at 12 months of age you go in front of a so-called judge and he tells you if your dog is worth breeding from or not so some decent dogs that look athletic a little bit up on the up on the leg are getting thrown out with the with the with the dishwater and they're just keeping these these sort of like Vietnamese sort of pot belly pigs and that's what is representing the Stafford classically in France so things aren't good but the only kind of saving grace was this year I think the Stafford fell off the podium and I think he's the fourth uh, most popular breed now so it's been I think the Australian Shepherd Dog is currently the number one race that's been destroyed in France but um, then you've got the I think it's the Belgian Shepherds, the Malinois, they're second, I think. Uh, and you, the shelters are full of them because people are just buying a, a, you know, a 
a Malinois not realising that it's, a, you know, a land shark and it's, it eats everything. So they quickly get abandoned. So all the refugees are full up with them. So, but again, it comes back to the politics again, as Don King used to say, it's bums on seats. Uh, the, the Kennel Club just want inscriptions and money. They'll take your money, they'll take your money. And I mean, it even looks like we saw here in, I think it was Norway the other day, banned British Bulldogs. Yeah. You're not allowed to uh, reproduce Bulldogs in the, in the north of Europe. And I think it's Australia and New Zealand as well that followed. And I mean, you know, that that is the alarm bell. You know, I mean, we've talked about it for years. Even the Kennel Club years ago changed the standard because they said they'd suddenly come to a dead end. We need to backtrack. They were even considering doing outcrosses to a different breed, maybe to, you know, to give it a new lease of life, the English Bulldogs. And that's just the first of a breed. I think it's going to be the domino effect because the, the Staffords currently in France that do the show circuit, um, you know, it's, you'd have the forefathers spinning in their graves. You know, it's it's, it's, it's almost like a separate breed now. Um, so it's not good news, but, but maybe the fact that it's peaked. I mean, remember in the 70s, it was the Dobermans and the German Shepherds that suddenly became all the rage and they destroyed the breed. And they went over to Rottweilers and Amstaffs and destroyed that. So I think it was, you know, the the the, the, the fate of the Staffordshire Bull Terrier to be too popular. Um, now I think people have gone off that boil. And I hear Boston Terriers now are the new thing. So people are swinging over to them. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I think maybe it's the sort of, you have to be uh, philosophical so you don't, you know, suddenly have a nervous breakdown. But you think maybe it's, a sign of the times people today are so used to you know buying from amazon or uh, clicking in two clicks you get what you want and i i think people now you know, they're not into the um the history the tradition uh, the trawling through old pedigrees looking through dusty old books and you know the drawings and, uh, and tables and charts and measurements they people can't be bothered with all that now so in a way, a lot of the tradition is being lost, and you know we're in the rat race. And uh, I think the sort of all the Staffords and the, and the old-fashioned dogs have got caught up in that. But there, there are purists out there that still exist. I mean, you see lots of these pages on Facebook where it's the working dogs and, and people desperately fighting to to uh, to keep the old stuff alive. But um, it really is the minority now against the against the majority but um, like I say the Stafford in general in France not a good look um, was it this year or last year I judged the Stafford Times up in Holland um, that was a breath of fresh air I mean you got some really very very nice dogs up there so that was nice to see um, a couple of years a few years back before the Covid I judged the Italian show same thing, a lot of nice dogs down there, they're doing a good job. France, which had decent dogs years and years ago, has fallen off the chart. Uh, the UK, I still see a few, but funnily enough, 
um, I'm sending a lot of dogs back to the UK at the moment. So it would seem that, you know, the the breeders from before, well, it makes sense. The old breeders that I used to look up to, you know, they're, they're you know, falling off their purchase one after another and there's nobody behind them to, to replace them. So uh, you've, you've really got to look or know the right people to talk to to get a decent stuff at them. So, and it's a shame, but maybe it's just, you know, it, it suddenly became hugely fashionable and now it's going off the boil again. And maybe with enough, you know, died in the wall fanciers, we can get it back to where it once was. I mean, I know that I'll always be, uh, you know, be doing the dogs that I like. Uh, and I work, luckily, I've got about half a dozen sort of people spread out that I work with that think along the same lines. So, that's my aim is to, is to, to keep it going as, as long as possible but it's uh, I wouldn't say you're under attack but you are in the, the very slim majority now uh, minority rather and the majority are these sort of caricature sort of weird sort of looking uh, weird looking dogs I was talking to an old judge the other day that said sometimes I have to double check that I haven't mistaken the ring that I'm in because uh, I think that I'm in the French Bulldog ring. So when, when they say that, you think, wow, you know, that, how can you mistake a Stafford for a French Bulldog? But there we are. There we are. We've managed. I mean, as I said, the figures of, in France, there are supposedly 7,000 breeders and only 1,000 of them have a kennel name. Right. You know, so that shows the seriousness of it. Um, you would think that that would ring alarm bells with the official club. You know, I don't know how they would do it or, you know, what could they do with open days or conferences or, you know, what they could do to the, promote the breed in the right way. But they, they lost uh, they lost their hand years and years ago. I mean, it was a bunch of inexperienced people trying to put together a club to just have a sort of, you know, old boys club together. And um, they, they lost, lost the hand immediately. Uh, and suddenly, you know, it was just the staff had rolled out of control, it became more and more popular. Anybody was breeding anything with everything. Uh, and, and now at the state of it, I mean, it's it really it, it got to the point of, I think, the Kennel Club turned a blind eye because they were just raking in the money. I mean, they, you know, with so many uh, registrations, so many litters on the ground, they were just pulling in. So they turn their, you know, turn their backs, close their eyes, they pretend they haven't seen anything, and they wait for the, the storm to pass, and they just count their money, you know. And again, the, the only uh, casualties is unfortunately the dogs. And the 6,000 or so so-called opportunist breeders that are just pumping these dogs out, when they're, you know, they've suddenly got litters that they can't sell, they just change the breed. You know, the fact that they haven't got a kennel name doesn't make any difference. You know, they know that they weren't in it for being serious or giving anything back to the breed or respecting the breed or trying to carry something on. They were just there purely for the pound notes. Cash it in and the minute that fad passes, we'll go on to the next thing. So maybe they'll go over to, you know, Boston Terriers now. But like I say, the... the the Stafford was a victim of its own success because it's a good little dog, it's hardy, it's, you know, keys in the hands, you know, basically everybody can deal with this little dog. Um, 
and then you know the prices were high compared to other countries so everybody had a good time and now i think we're starting to pick up the pieces but uh, but it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of the people that were very vocal about you know uh, protecting the breed and stuff they were uh, you know very very in the sort of churning out puppies and cashing it in as well so it's uh, i don't know it's just maybe human nature you could be disappointed but i always say that at your own little level you can't change you know you can't change the world you just have to do what you do in your little corner and plod on and uh, you know when the storm passes you know uh, hopefully it leaves a lot of devastation in its wake and then the the, the decent the real people that were there from the beginning they can rebuild and, and you know like i say all the the opportunists will go on to another breed now so it, it hasn't been a good time for the Staffordshire Bull Terrier put it that way it's not a positive time how has it affected uh we we know what it's affected with the health and the looks of the dogs but how has it affected the um the temperament well, funnily enough, I was when I was in uh, when I was in Italy, there were a few man biters. You know that started creeping in to the breed. Uh, there was particular lines that you know had dogs that were too ex- excitable, and they tended to you know be very terrier-like and would you know try and take the the ends of your fingers off. And then when I was in Holland this year, you had a lot of shy dogs which was strange. I mean, when I did my, my, my comp rendu, my, my, my notes for you know, how I found the weekend, I actually wrote a big piece about that, about, you know, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, you know, is, is bold and fearless and reliable. It's just the first words in the standard. And I did, I came across a lot of very shy dogs. Uh, when you're the judge, obviously, you know, you, you come down, a, a Stafford, a normal Stafford will be, you know, you know, how's it going and wants to say hello to you and jumps on your leg and can be even too exuberant, you know, can be too over the top. But a lot of dogs, you know, you're bending down to put your hands to them and they were shying away, which is uh, uh, not typical of the temperament. So it was interesting to see that in different countries and spread out, people aren't doing the selection and looking at all of the points, you know, that maybe they're selecting for looks or maybe they're selecting for physical ability or working ability but they're not looking to tick all the boxes and it it was strange i found that shy staffords very very rare you'd never see them staffords were always over the top and you know you're always literally have to take your slipper off in the house and you know belt it around their head for you know to calm them down but you know there were a lot of shy ones which i thought was strange um you know, so you've got shy to one end of the scale, which can actually, you know, be fear biters afterwards. If the dog's too shy, you know, and you, you sort of keep pushing forward, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? It can, you know, spend in its teeth to, to, you know, to keep you back. So you've got a one end of the scale, you've got, you know, man biters, and the other end, you've got fear biters. So it's, um, that was one of the notes I had, but to be honest with the French, French standard of Staffords, I don't really get involved, you know. Uh, I might see some, you know, groups of people walking their dogs and stuff and bits and pieces. It's the same thing. Very often you see on Facebook, they go out in groups 
to walk their dogs and they're all off the leads. And you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, a real Staffordshire you can't have off the lead around other dogs, you know, just doesn't work. But uh, so they've obviously, there's in the selection, people not paying attention to any characters. You've got sort of now, you know, male Staffords of a certain age running around playing together, which is not typical either. So I don't know. I think a lot of damage has been done because they've just closed their eyes with selection and just knocked out pubs just for the money. But um, like I say, it's, we had the blue as well, the blue colours. We've got Merle has crept into the breed now. You can see Merle, litters of Merle Staffordshire Bull Terriers being uh, advertised. Uh, what, what else? I don't. We haven't yet got the, the long-haired Staffordshire Bull Terriers being bred. I know you see that in the Bulldogs. You've got long-haired Bulldogs now. Um, no, I think they've done quite enough, to be honest, to, to sort of ruin the breed. And I think now they've decided, well, they're not selling as well as they used to. Time to move on. But uh, but not just the Staffords. I mean, uh, being a Patterdale man as well, uh, I've noticed that suddenly the Patterdale's taken off. and uh, Everybody's getting Patterdale's and just breeding them without working them. And they'll just write in their, their, their newspaper ads, uh, grandparents were workers. <laughs> and people are buying them. Oh, Patterdale, what's that? Yeah, okay, we'll buy them. So, don't know. It's, 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 uh, it, it's very strange. Very strange people. You know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, um, when we look at the Bulldog, the history of the Bulldog, it was exactly that. I mean, the, the old Bulldog, the Bulldog before, you know, would bite his owner like it would bite anybody else. So they they put you know pug blood into um, into the dogs to dampen down that shitty character to make them more marketable. So in fact, we've always been reinventing the wheel. You know, when dogs are too troublesome, you can't sell them. So they want something for the pet market because that's just what brings them the big money in. You know. It's like Labradors was a, a classic example. I mean, a decent working Labrador now is, is you know, as rare as hen's teeth. Just can't find them. But um, they they mass produce Labradors that are um, very peculiar uh, man biters Labradors. People don't realise this, but it's one of the dogs that bites the most. But they manage to market it as this sort of cuddly. You know, what was it? It was the toilet paper ads in uh, in the Ju Dulux or what do they call it? There was a toilet paper in England and it, they were Labrador puppies mm -hmm. playing with the toilet rolls. And boom, suddenly everybody wanted a Labrador, you know. And uh, I think, didn't George Bush have a Labrador as well, walking around the White House? Yeah, I'm sure so, he did, yeah. There you go. So Labradors became the dog, but I mean, you know, they used to bite a lot of people as well. But Labradors used to get, you know, second and third chances. You know, if they bit somebody, the vet would go, ah, no, we're not going to put him down. Surely there was more to it than that. But, you know, a Stafford or a Pitbull might nip somebody once and that's it, game over. So it's, I don't know, I think you can be a, a, a sort of victim of your own success. Yeah. It was the, the, since the last time we spoke, it's been the case with, with Stafford's. It suddenly exploded. I think it's on. We're on the downside now, but you know they've, they, they, you know, basically they've destroyed the breed. Uh, I've seen the people in who were head of the club here have all sort of resigned, 
and you know gone about their business they're doing other things now so it's you know, nobody takes responsibility you know as soon as it turns to the shit they they resign and oh, it's not my fault not my problem no 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 so always the way that you know the the things that suffer are, are the dogs and the breed and all the rest of it but if you got enough purists working away behind the scenes not getting involved i think you know you can always save save things but uh but it's been a, a particularly tough time since we last spoke for, for Stafford's. You know, but again, all, all of the breeds go through it at one time or another. And I think it was just the, the time for Stafford's now. But uh, but again, all hope is not lost. I know a fair amount of, of dyed-in-the-wall people that are, are carrying on the good work. So uh, so we'll see. In the next few years, You know, maybe all the, the, the crappy hypertype sort of uh, dogs will be dying away and it will just leave you know a new wave of uh, original dogs but uh, but again we'll have to see uh, what what breed is going to be uh, next victim of uh, of human uh, human uh, connery as the french would say as long as but again that that comes back to people doing their homework yeah we you know we always say that and today today's you know sort of you know rush around society nobody can be bothered to do their homework very few people um it's it really is becoming complicated i mean uh, every now and again i get somebody rings me up and they've done their homework and it's like uh, you know a pleasant surprise you're like wow you know um good for you well done (laughs) You know, it's it's you know makes a, a change to have somebody ringing up talking about the old lines, talking about this and that, dropping decent kennel names. And you're like, wow, you know, especially in France, you're like, you know, you really have done your homework. You know, I think you've come to the right place right now. Let's talk. So then we're off. Then it's good. You're sharing a passion. But um, the the thing is, today people just want uh, nobody's willing to to wait. No. For example, if for the right dog, you should be willing to wait. If you ring up a breeder now and he says, listen, I haven't got anything for you for the minute, but if you want to put your name down on a list, I might have something in six months. Nobody's willing to wait. The people that do wait very often, you know, they'll have a litter in six months and they'll ring back and say, well, listen, I might have something decent here. What do you think? Oh, no, I've already bought something. So now the people are forced to say, well, listen, if you want to be on my waiting list, I want, you know, to to you to give an account of uh, you know a certain amount of money to make sure you're serious mm-hmm. uh, and again most people again no well you know i'm not sure um i'll ring you back so people aren't ready to you know i remember when i was a lad uh, a staffordshire bull terrier litter was sold before it was born i mean that's how quick you had to get in you know you could say well listen i want a male but i mean if there isn't any i'll take a female that's it. You didn't get into conversation about what color coat it's got. You know what? You didn't have any of that. It's my bitch has, you know, been put to so and so's mail. Oh yeah, I know him. Um, I'm going to take five reservations because that's, you know, an average litter, and that's it. And so five people will put their money on the table, and that's it. Before they've even been born, the, the litter's sold. So. You know, I'm not old, but I can remember when Staffordshire Bull Terrier litters didn't even make the papers. They didn't make the free ads. They were already spoken for. Um, nowadays, it's not like that. I mean, everybody's, you know, 
putting uh, dozens of litters on the on the uh, in the free ads, like the Craigslist or whatever, uh, and pumping them out. And you know, they'll even exchange it for something else. Listen, I want a moped uh, for my daughter, so I'll exchange a pup against a moped. And so it's you know, it's the world's gone crazy. So when when you've got a sort of supply and demand like that, how can you really expect people to be serious and start asking in-depth questions like, uh, you know, this is um, how I live. I live, for example, in a rural area. I would like my dog to, you know, maybe during the day he's going to be guarding, uh, you know, the, uh, around the farm. I need him to maybe be dispatching some rats. I need, you know, the weekend I want to have a bit of fun with uh, my friends doing a bit of rabbiting. This is the t- type of dog. Nobody will say that anymore. I mean, you know, you'll get guys ringing you up saying, yeah, okay, I want a dog for sport. You say, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I'm a big sportive guy and I'm out on my mountain bike every day and running up hills and stuff. And you go, yeah, all right. But people forget Facebook is available to everybody. And if you just click on the guy's profile, you'll see him on his sofa eating chips in front of the television, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you think, come on, guys, you know, at least be be reasonable if you want a really sporting dog and you you know you prove you do this that and the other then great but most people think and the classic is i want a dog with character big character no you don't do you realize what a dog with big character entails you know you walk in at five in the morning or midnight so you don't cross other dogs uh your dog doesn't lead a happy life because all he wants to do is fight um, you've got to be careful if you've got friends coming over and they might have a dog. You know, uh, you're going to go on holiday. Who are you going to leave your dog with? No, you don't. You don't want a big character dog. Are you really sure you want that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's you're having to guide people and, and hold their hands. And you know, anybody, anybody that rings me knows that they're in for, you know, a good conversation. For, you know, I'm going to be asking questions and this and that, and I'm going to see... If I've got anything for you, if something corresponds. And even there where I kind of select the, the owners to the pups, even then I can make mistakes, you know. But the, the sort of filtering process, you know, I turn lots of people away. But um, again, there are a lot, you know, there are many people that won't. If you've got the money, you can have a dog. So we're, we're into this vicious circle. And I don't think the Staffordshire Bull Terrier is, is exclusive. I think it's all breeds, you know. I think anybody that breeds good dogs is going to run into these problems. You know, supply and demand, people want what they think that they want. Uh, they can't be bothered to do, you know, or they might look up on Google quickly, you know, uh, working bull, oh, that looks nice, I want one of them. You know, but they don't realise this thing's going to grow up to be 80 kilos and it's going to eat more than they do, you know. And they're like, you know, jeez, oh, do you know how much you know my dog eats? So it's... it's uh, I think, you know, as we said before, it's just the sign of the times. It's interesting, you know, an interesting phenomenon to, to see how, uh, you know, humans decide what they want and, you know, it kind of follows fashion. After the film, uh, Jock of the Bushveld, everybody wanted Red Staffordshire Bull Terriers. Uh, years ago, the publicity for the toilet paper, everybody wanted Labradors. Uh, fucking the Disney thing with 100 thing Dalmatians, everybody wanted Dalmatians. Funny how you can sell things to, to people, you know, the sort of consumerism. But, uh, yeah, yeah funny, funny. But then again, you know, you've got, you've still got purists that exist. And if you really want, you know, 
some somewhere to go um and you really scratch it you know you you'll have names come up um this is the good thing i mean i i we did the podcast two three years back and i didn't even know there would be comments on the the podcast i was driving back from uh, i was delivering the pub somewhere and i uh I clicked on a link and it was one of my old podcasts with you and there was loads of commentaries behind. And I thought, I didn't even know people could comment on the things. And it's interesting how far and wide these things go. I mean, you know, I got people from Australia and New Zealand sending me messages and stuff and it's, it's good. So in a way you're, you're getting the message out there, you know, um, you know, you're given a platform for, for passionate breeders to speak on. And then after it's it's up to the the person if they want to listen all the way through or if they just want to click on and listen to a bit. But uh, we've got a tractor coming by. That's why you can hear the dogs bark. (laughs) This is part of living in the country. It comes up the bumpy lane, the tractor, and that sets all the dogs off. What do you want? (laughs) We don't get any visitors, but, you know, the tractor, he's got to do his work. So that sets off all the dogs. Yeah. Anyway, to... see, if you, see if you can filter that bit out. Okay, anyway. No, that's good. The, the, if, if it's a dog podcast and you don't hear dogs, we got problems. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you can hear a choir of them there because uh, the tractor guy likes to wind them up. He, he drives by and he stops. Uh, he's got two uh, Malinois that guard the front of the house. And uh, he thinks it's funny to stop the tractor and look at look at the dogs getting wound up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you don't realise all the other dogs are singing behind, but you know he thinks it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. The future plans is basically just. I've always said that breeding dogs is a marathon. It's not a sprint, so mm-hmm. it's just plodding on, just producing some nice stuff and. Uh, and keep going and helping the people kind of in a sort of mentoring type type way helping you know a few people with the right mentality starting up their own little programs and trying to sort of you know just talk common sense into into people so Joseph, Joseph, ooh, ooh. So, I must, so I must be Mary, Mary, Joseph, Joseph, Allah, Allah.